0: We are saying something through the liturgy that has been hewn out and polished for centuries. And it cannot be bettered at that particular moment when the world falls silent in face of death.
1: Welcome to the Stand Firm Podcast. I'm Nick Lannon of Grace Anglican Church in Louisville, Kentucky, and I am here today with Matt Kennedy. Of the Anglican Church of the Good Shepherd in Binghamton, New York, and J.D. Coke of St. Luke's Anglican Church in Hilton Head, South Carolina. How are you guys doing?
0: Excellent. Yeah, great, Nick. Thanks.
1: Matt, glad to hear you're excellent. You've recovered from your illness. Have you similarly recovered from the discipline executed by your bishop in the wake of the joke played on you by your daughter?
0: <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah, that was I am better now. Thank you for uh, I laughed that was out loud. <laughs> it's just, was so, funny. so I didn't know I, I, I flip open my computer to watch our live stream education and I know the bishop's teaching and my, my daughter like classically every Sunday she'll take a quote from the Bible and twist it like to make it sound like Joel Osteen or like you know, you know Steve Furtick or something and then she'll you know, put a, a fake Bible verse next to it just like you know Emma's thoughts <laughs> yeah. and, she, and she'll Hezekiah, put them up on like, Hezekiah 40 so, so that's your on, yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: on your live stream every week anyway? And I go, yeah and I, I'm frustrated so
2: I, 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 tell, I, I look at it <laughs> Erase it. So this time, you know, I, I expected that, but no. And this time, she's like, she she takes a. Uh, you're stronger than you think you are. You're 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 smarter than you believe you so are. Classic, Joel. That's yeah. <laughs> a But it's uh, the Reverend Matt Kennedy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> as the quote to it. And the bishop's teaching, like right in front of his quote. Did he even <laughs> I, notice I, it? I don't know if he read it or not. He didn't say yeah. anything about it. So, so it was <laughs> awesome. But yeah, yeah, I, I talked to her that's funny. we have we had a little discussion afterwards
0: <laughs> I found a Joel Osteen cube in a um like a thrift store uh Willaz and I were were looking at a while back and I brought it all the way up to the counter but I just couldn't buy it I couldn't I mean I felt like I was mocking I mean like I know he's got some problems but I just couldn't bring myself it wasn't that I didn't want to own it so if anyone out there has one please send it to me I'll put it on a yeah my wall. my
2: prisoner, one of my prisoners bought it you, uh, uh,
0: on ebay you
1: want a monkey's paw but you don't want to spend
2: the money for a monkey's <laughs> right. paw I don't,
0: I don't yeah it I, is I
2: really... if you get one this richard gave it to me it's cold you got you it's like every day is like a source of so much
0: so, so
2: much awesomeness i mean just to, just to punch it in I and mean, my, my daughter like writes down notes and that's 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 basically where she gets her her weekly quotes from it's such a great thing and there's whole sermons on it like there's like 47 joel Osteen sermons. There, there's sermons, there's these things called uh, inspirational thoughts, which he like, he, he spends like, a, like, just like just like a four or five minute segment of just, you know, just, you are so awesome. You are oh. so wonderful. Is it his God, voice? Like, yeah, no, it's him. It's, 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 it's actually, he's, he's actually taking the time to do this. And then, and then there's so like these same joke. Song. Oh, no, no, it's not a no. joke. This oh, is a real, real thing. thing. That's why I couldn't
0: I no, thought it was the like that Martin Luther swear box. No, no, or that's why I couldn't buy it because I was like, you know, mock. I mean, there's a lot of people that you know, sadly, are are buying this with great expectation. You right. Know, this is why you buy stuff. it. So I was going to buy it, like just to mock it. And I was like, I, I, this is not a good look for me. So you got to uh, buy it
2: on eBay or something where it's already been paid for. Or you
0: just, exactly.
2: you just, yeah, just buy it. And someone just give it to me. me. Yeah. Yes. Yeah.
0: Cause I was, um, yeah. But anyway, well, that, that was, that was uh, hilarious. And so you I were, was. <laughs> you
1: are raising your children in the way that they should go. <laughs> exactly.
0: Right. <laughs>
1: Well, as we record this episode on Tuesday, we are a day removed from the state funeral of Queen Elizabeth II in Westminster Abbey, and we thought we'd talk, therefore, about funerals and death. I looked back at our archive, and unless I missed it, though we've talked about several other services of the church, weddings, baptism, communion, it doesn't look like we've spent any time talking about funerals. Now, the world got a good look at an Anglican funeral service yesterday and though the reach and attendance may vary, we all three preside at such services, often with the exact same words, all the time. So, let's talk today about death, the place that death has in life, the importance of mourning, and what a funeral service has to say about the good news of Jesus Christ. And maybe by the end of our time today, we'll finally have an answer to the age-old pastor's question. Pastor, it was his favorite song. Can we please play <laughs> Frank Sinatra's My Way at My Dad's Funeral? <laughs> so to get us started, Matt, you had an epic thread on Twitter this week. What do you think is the most common mistake we make in our efforts to mark the death of a loved one?
2: Yeah, so if you if we, if our listener has not read the thread. I was recounting my grandmother's death. And my grandmother was a sweet lady, so selfless, a wonderful woman. Um, we all loved her and she was so selfless. She didn't want us to make any effort whatsoever to uh, go through the funeral, To she wanted anyone to be sad. So she, she told us, she instructed us before her death. I don't want a funeral. I don't want a service at a church. I don't want a service at a, a funeral home. I don't want I don't want anyone to be sad. I want you all to get together, have have lunch or have, have a meal together and share stories about me. And I don't want any gloomy faces. I want everyone to just be happy. And then then that would be it. So yeah, I I was in seminary at the time and I I, just, I didn't want to do that at all. I, but but that's kind of how my family well, that side of my family seemed to be at the time, and so no one really objected to that. Uh, very few of them were, were active churchgoers. So, several days after she died, we got together. and We did that, and it was just so horrible. I mean, everyone was just just grief stricken, and no one could say, no one could say anything. I mean, people forced uh, memories. People said things quite awkwardly and embarrassingly, but there was no real. I, I know that my grandmother had this vision of a happy warm time a celebration all? of life yeah yeah and that just wasn't that just wasn't possible we couldn't we couldn't do it we tried but we we couldn't do it and um i think i think that in uh, the thread i mentioned that you know since that time I, I can't count the number of people who have said to me well i want my funeral to be to be a celebration of life I want a party I don't want people to be sad all of them uh, yeah every I mean, family we talk to really yeah yeah and so and and I you know I, I, I mean just in the actual events I mean no matter what what I've I've been trying been very careful to tell people what we can and can't do at funerals but nevertheless you know there have been, there's been days I've shown up for the funeral and people are putting balloons all around the altar <laughs> and Man, and that's, yeah, no. That's I mean, the next it, level right there. Yeah, it is. It is. And people, are like, oh, oh, <laughs> by the that. way, pastor, I have this boombox here. I'm going to play this that's this right. song right before you you preach, and um, and then you know, there's there's I don't. I'm glad that our new prayer book, the 2019 prayer book, specifies in the rubrics that there are no eulogies during the service. That's right. It's, um Because they
0: took one. They took one for us there. I appreciate that.
2: Yeah, I did because because they they're they're. Several times I've allowed it. I said, "Okay, I see five minutes. Let me look 100%, at." Hundred percent a bad idea. Five percent, yeah. Five minutes. Let me look at the what you're going to say beforehand, and that's fine. And almost, almost all, not all the time.
0: I'm not really gone. I'm on a butterfly's <laughs> wings. I'm in the breath of a baby. Right, yeah. right.
2: Or, or there's like this yeah. wild and story about the time of the kid. That's right. When the person was or the or and,
0: the saddest yeah. too is they just yeah. break down. They just get right. up there and yeah. they're like, they why, it, so. you know, screaming at the heavens. So you know,
2: we started why? saying, "Why don't you just do that?" At the reception, right. or the, the thing. That's so, right. so anyway, the um, so the whole point of the thread was, you know, people need to mourn. The death is so, is such a horrible thing. It's not, it's not a natural process. It's not, you know, the, it's a, it's an unnatural invader into god's creation death was never supposed to be and it is and and the fact that a soul was ripped from a body which never should have been we all know it even if the atheist knows it's it's horrible and so everyone has to mourn if, if someone close to you dies you have to mourn you can't you can't short circuit that process you can't try to cover that process up with um with fake joy or or or, or, or strained joy you have to mark it and and you know, thank's be to god the church has these liturgies that have been preserved for you know thousands of years to to mark the passing of a loved one we don't have to get together and think up our own think up our own words or our own you know ceremonies these are all given to us they've been preserved for us and so you can go to the church and um hear uh ancient words and sing ancient hymns and and um hear the gospel and the good news that Jesus died and rose again. And that one day um, all those who believe in him will um, inherit the heavens and the earth, new heavens and new earth. Um, That's all there for us. And, um, and one of the great things about the Queens funeral is, I think that, that, that was brought home to a lot of people, a lot of people who I know on Twitter and social, on uh, other social media outlets who are not liturgically minded, were very moved by by the funeral. And there was there were no spontaneous moments at that funeral. <laughs> there was right. no, okay, they've now we're. Re- <laughs>
1: They'd been rehearsing for years in an abandoned airplane hangar. Yeah, like, I heard that.
2: <laughs> so there's no, like, there's no moment of, okay, now we're going to just, why don't we all take a moment and do some interpretive dance of the queen's life and try to figure out what that was. It was just all from the prayer book, all classical stuff. And, um, and it was moving. because because it provided the space and and it provided the words and the music that people needed to remember the queen and to mourn her passing. And that's what. While we can't have you know thousands of, of troops marching down the road for our funerals, we can have all the rest. We can have the words. We can that's have right. the, the liturgy. We can have the hymns. You can go to your local Anglican church and find all of that for you, mm-hmm. um, very cheaply. Like maybe a hundred bucks um, to to pay. But our church, if you if you belong to our church, you don't pay anything.
1: Yeah. And Most most churches are like that. So. Um, And you get the same exact words at the end, you know, a lamb of his own flock, a sheep of his own fold, a a sinner of his own redeeming, just like the queen.
0: You and the queen. I love the, I don't know. I don't know if it's in our ACNA prayer book. I haven't done an ACNA funeral, um, but I know the the refrain at the end of the seventy nine. You know that even at the uh, even if the grave, we make our song, Alleluia, Alleluia, Alleluia. Like it's one of the most meaningful parts of the commendation to me. Um, and I always think how I always take a moment there, and just to your point, Matt, like realize that in the midst of. Um, as we say in anthem, you know, in the midst of death, we are in life. You know, um, like we we are saying something through the liturgy that has been hewn out and polished for centuries, and it cannot be bettered at that particular moment when the world falls silent in face of death. We have been gifted this this patrimony. It's a real. It's a blessing, and I think I'm internally grateful for it. Uh, you know, I meet with people all the time and about funerals, and and we just. We have we're pretty, pretty uh, convinced, as you are, that, you know, this might sound rigid or inflexible, but it's for a very good reason, because this has been um, tried and true over over the centuries. And so, um, yeah, I was grateful for all of the the people remarking on the service. And it was it was fascinating. I have to say this is a little bit uh, of an aside, but I was unaware of a recent uh, Facebook discussion about the black vestments. I thought those were just, refer- I thought those were just relegated to, uh, like Masonic rites or something. I didn't know that that was actually a thing, like a black stole or a black chasuble. I mean, you, you say you have a set of these, Matt?
2: I don't have a set of those, but I've, I've, I've longed for them. But,
0: uh, <laughs> well, some listener out there who is, who wants to see Matt dressed up like the Grim Reaper, needs to provide, uh, church of the good show oh,
2: they had they had silver trim it was like it was like it was black but with the that's edge funny because right, right. see
0: i was in when i was in vienna we had a set of those in vienna austria and it was told to me then that it was like the masonic um that, that they would come after the service which i thought was also problematic of course why why at any rate well, well no, i thought I the think...
1: reason that we wore white at a funeral was to celebrate not the person's life but the
0: resurrection life in jesus christ yeah. You well, know, there's something to that, of course, and you know, I think that's where it's 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 easy to mock the the excesses of the the sentimentalized uh, liturgy of the '79 prayer book. So it's easy to do, but I do think there is that balance between um, mourning and and Christians mourning as not as those without hope, you know. And I think yeah. that's uh, what's interesting to me, though. And Nick, we've seen this together for many years, is that often the people who claim to have the least Amount of um, sadness and uh, want to evince the most celebration of the particular life are often, at least in my experience, those who have the least actual developed and fully formed faith. You know, so it's like the the deeper someone's faith seems to be, or the more regular I saw them on Sunday, then there's a there's a, a an affront that death is to them, even though they're the ones who have the hope of the resurrection solidly before them. Uh, because there is that um, depth of intimacy and bond of friendship and human love this side of heaven that has been severed for the time being and whereas i see the people who um who protest that they don't you know that he's playing golf up in heaven with you know old his old buddies and you know his dogs are running around and he's happier now and it's like well i don't think you really believe that and that was actually it was actually um highlighted how little they believe that after going through the COVID scares we've talked about this before but it's like the very people who purported to be telling us all that you know death was just an ancient fear and you know that there's there it's really irrational and we all have to come to grips with it and all these things are the same ones that are still in their homes you know masking um out in the wilderness by themselves because their fear of dying is so acute it's like well you know uh that's instructive for us too when we talk about death uh because it's it was an inevitability to be sure but it was prepared for for particularly like queen elizabeth in a way that um if you could say dignified it um and and put it in its proper perspective uh which i hope was a sermon and i trust was actually a sermon to the world um through through that service
1: it seems like the real faithful believers are the ones who weep openly at the funeral, but with hope, as you said, and then come back to church the following Sunday. Like they don't miss a Sunday. They're ready to worship. They need to worship. Whereas the people who are the more sort of, paint on a happy face and everything's okay they're the ones that are actually seething with anger just under the surface and you're lucky to ever see them again
2: yeah that's right it kind of it makes sense i mean you're you're afraid of the death is the
1: great fear i mean everyone
2: everyone's afraid of it That's what i mean our society our culture like has 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 created a, a cocoon in some ways through our the, the, the entertainment industry social media uh you you don't have to confront your own mortality but even Mm. the medical
0: system you know you nursing homes yeah as soon as you get sick they they cart you away you know bring out your dead right uh, right you know
1: and those places have great landscaping and you know everything's wonderful to hide what's actually going on inside that's right that's right
0: yeah who was it that wrote a while back about bringing back the wakes was that peter toon wrote that before he died or somebody wrote something about how there used to be you know the body in uh viewing of the body uh the wakes in in the parlor of the church for two days you know two or three days before the service and as a young child it had so uh marked their understanding of death i mean i remember the first funeral i went to or at least remember was my grandfather's i mean that was 20 to 20 years old i think and um seeing dead body was very instructive because whatever, wherever he was, he was not there anymore, you know, and I remember as a young budding theologian, that was a very powerful image. And of course, you know, um, I was blessed that that was the earliest death of a close family member i had to go to but i um you know i've told Liza already i mean we know that if in the eventuality that happens however old our kids are like they're coming along with us because this is an enemy that will beat us this side of heaven but jesus has ultimately defeated it and that's that's a sermon they need to hear as early and as often as possible say more about that so what is
1: what is the good news proclaimed at a funeral
2: we, if it's a Christian funeral for a Christian,
1: yes, let's um, let's say that. <laughs> right. right. <laughs>
2: then, then the very good news is that 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 person, uh, two, twofold, that person is away from the body but at home with Christ, and and so the 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 body that has died um, is has has was a, a a perishable body that is corruptible, and but what Jesus has done in taking on a corruptible body Himself. And bearing our sins on the tree and the cross, and uh, taking them down to his tomb, is he has taken up our nature and restored it, uh, taken away our sins and undone them, and he's he's redeemed our our body and soul, so that um, while this present body is going to wither away and die, it will be renewed, restored, and redeemed at the end when he returns, and uh, it will never die again. So that's that's a remain that's that's the wondrous thing about about a funeral is he. You, you kind of you 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 get kind of trapped into thinking about all the things this person will never do again. This person will never, you know, sit down and eat meals. This person will sit down and never never hang out with their friends and never you know, all the things that. And you think about oh man, I'm going to hate doing. It. I'm 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 50 years old. I'm I'm the joys of my life are are quickly quickly beginning to, to fade. I can't I can't I, you know I can't do half the things. I, I'm 50. I still can't do half the things I did like just 10 years ago. Right.
0: You're only 50.
2: <laughs> yeah, I'm only yeah. Quiet. I'm just kidding. Um, so, so, so the you like a day over forty nine. But then you read, but then the readings come along and then the liturgy come along. Man, wait a minute, that's not true. You know, it, it's, this person first of all is is infinitely more more happy than he or she ever was um, in 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 his body. But then when the body is returned to him or her, then all the joys that uh, that we experience right now are just 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 shadows and you just you know we won't even it, there's no comparison i guess between between the, the 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 thing the way things taste now and the way they'll taste then and the yeah. and the way we see the the beauty that we see now and the beauty that we'll actually see with our own eyes um then and the the people the, the the good conversations and the good relationships that we have now and the relationships we'll have then there's just no comparison they're gonna be so infinite yeah. beyond anything we can imagine so that's That's what a funeral should be pointing us to. And it shouldn't point us to those things by skipping over and forgetting that right now someone is gone and we're we're, we're, we're separated from them. But it should should definitely point to that far horizon and say, look, this is coming. And and, and this person is beginning to enjoy those things right now. So even though it's the the most sorrowful day for us, that person is, this is the happiest day of that person's life so far.
0: (laughs) Yeah, and I think pointing to the fact that, like Paul says in uh, Romans six, that you know that you have been united with Christ, Christ in a death like His through baptism, you know, can be secure that you are united with Him in His resurrection and. Highlighting the fact that the specter, the fear, and the uh, what the Hebrews calls the chains of the fear of death that are loosened and uh, removed at one's conversion um, creates an entirely different life uh, for the for the longevity of the person that we're now watching go over yonder, as it were, uh, over the Jordan. And you know that's what I always highlight in the funeral sermons because it's generally speaking, you know, it's a mixed congregation, people that are you know. Sort sort of have come to the church out of respect for the for the person, not perhaps the, the faith that he held. And, you know, point out the fact that this this time is an inevitability. You know, at this moment, we're given to slow down and we all have to count and consider, you know, where our future goes, and where our past has led us and um you should consider this person particularly if it was a christian that you knew well um it's not hard to point to evidences of his regeneration or his sanctification in his life that were simply a fact of the fact that the fear of death had been removed you know it wasn't going to be totally eradicated because of our sinful you know nature the side of heaven but the fact that there was a self-sacrificial loving that was on account of the fact that he had already considered himself dead to the world and alive to christ is um, that's a powerful witness. You know, that's an amazingly powerful witness. And I I look at the people that have dealt with suffering and dying on the way towards these funerals and point out uh, to the fact that, you know, there is no more powerful sermon that is preached with someone's life than a faithful Christian death. You know, and if, if it's in the space of suffering, then that even makes it louder because people say, what in the world are you going on about this God of love? You know, this God of um, you look at your disease, look at what he gave you, look at all the various ways that he has not, quote unquote, loved you. And then, of course, to the Christian, you say, well, all none of those, none of these momentary afflictions um, will remain with me on, on the other side. And so that's where. You know, I think that's where funerals have become. I was telling the staff this this morning as we were talking a little bit in our staff meeting about the funeral. And I said, you know, when I got into this, I thought they would be the worst part of the job, quote unquote. And I said, you know, I've come to realize one through having to preside over faithless funerals, you know, where there's where I'm the most. Christian person in the room, you know, um, it's, that's something I'm working actively to prevent with, to the extent that I can, it's whether in my church, if you're going to belong to my church and I'm going to bury you, you are going to bury you as a Christian, and you're going to have learned something about the Lord. And so you're not going to die in abject misery. Um, you know, hopelessness, one, but two, you know, I said, I basically see our entire uh, work is preparing people for this inevitability. And like, once you get your idea, your head around every Sunday is little, little small dress rehearsal for the final Sunday, you know, the final service you'll, you'll be the center of. Um, And coming to grips with what the hope of the resurrection that is set before us actually will do in your life is uh, a preparation for, um, for heaven. It's a it's a it's a it's an entering into the joy that um, that we we can experience part of now uh, that as you said Matt rightly will be experienced for believers um, the moment that they uh, they die so it's it's a you know it's a it's a, an incredible uh, honor to be a part of people's lives at this point and it's more of an honor to take the opportunity to preach uh, the gospel through the through the liturgy and through the word um, at the time where people's hearts are most tender and most open. I think that's a really important point. I'm glad you brought, brought up preaching because
2: that I think also it is a, it is a, it's a hinge moment. It's one of those times when people, whether they like it or not, they have their ears open because they are, they are, they're right there, you know, quote unquote, celebrating the life of someone who's, who's passed away. And they really, I mean, the people who are not believers, especially in the congregation who've come to that funeral, they want you to continue the celebration They want you more than anything else not to go into mortality, not to talk about why why is there death? What is there? Why does right. this person lie here in front of where, us? Where
0: Where is he now? And where are you yeah, going? They don't. They don't you, want to hear any. Of I that always stuff. ask that. They obviously. want to.
2: They want to hear puppies and flowers and you know dust in the wind and all. I mean all this. You know. <laughs> dust uh, in the wind. All, yeah, yeah, yeah. So Puppish. all we are is dust in the wind, and and you can't do it. And that's and it, even the family probably some of the family members are going to be, be wanting you to do that kind of thing. You know, talk about puppies. Give us a poem. Tell you read some. Uh, you know, read something about the Rainbow Bridge. I mean, it's not a pet, but it's still, a Rainbow Bridge. I mean, it,
1: <laughs> the, uh, it's not how you get what, to Asgard. It, yeah, yeah, no, it's, it's, that's the Rainbow
2: Bridge. It's the, you know, when you your, you know, you take your animal, get euthanized. They give you the poem about the Rainbow Bridge. Your your animal goes over the Rainbow Bridge, and then he waits for you or she waits for you. And when you die, you go over the Rainbow Bridge and you meet the animal, and everything's fine. And the
0: problem is nobody Thanks. believes that. Nobody, then, nobody. <laughs> said at all. I mean, that's I the saddest part about all these these uh, like the eulogies, you know, with the person that's talking about playing golf up in heaven or whatever. is It's yeah, like you yeah. don't you don't believe that. Like you you just don't. Yeah. And so I'm not going to let you perjure yourself from my pulpit. You know. Which is not so
2: good. as hard as it is, you've got to say, okay, the reason this person's lying here is because they're the because of sin, and 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 the reason we are all going to be in this person's place is because of sin, and uh, that's the bad news we're we're all being confronted with right now. But the good news, of course, is. Um, is what Jesus has done, and, and but just going down to that valley, I agree. Through the valley of the shadow, in your sermon, in at the funeral, is so necessary, but it's also just so hard. And people will look at you in the congregation like you are being so rude and so out of place. But you have to remember that point. I am a minister of the gospel. I'm not. I'm here speaking for Jesus. I'm not here speaking Amen. for Mrs. Smith. So
1: that actually leads directly into the next thing that I wanted to ask you guys, which you alluded to before. And in effect. I think maybe even said something about explicitly i want to get your critique of the phrase death is a natural part of life i mean now i mean it's guess what you mean by nature
2: i mean right. the, it is it, it, it's part of the ruined nature right i mean yeah death entered in with sin so uh, what it's not though is this kind of cycle that it was it was of uh, the Lion King <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah it's not, it's not the, yeah it, we, no it's not that's not the way God designed things that's the way things have, have become since the corruption and so we can't play into any of those kinds of any of those well, kinds of to
0: the extent that with the Lion King is just dealing with the animal kingdom there is a cycle okay, sure. like, you know <laughs> right. so I right. think right. Sure. but I agree with you because we just talked about this with our kids the other night because they were I was mocking it and then I was like well they aren't people <laughs> so <it was> like, <laughs> <laughs> sorry i didn't mean to
2: interrupt you no no it's, but, but but there is this kind of there's a very strong uh one one way that people in our culture are trying to find meaning in, in death is to say well i'm just gonna i'm part of the cycle of life so uh, in fact i think i i saw i've seen these advertisements that that now you know you can be buried in Green. the roots in the roots yeah, of a yeah. tree
0: yeah yeah Right. Yeah, so that can be tre- composted. You can be yeah composted. Yeah. So yeah. the
2: tree is really like you, I guess. You're you're becoming one with the, and that's with a lot
0: product. that's going to be mandated in Finland or something pretty soon. Oh, because goodness. it's not only is it ecologically <laughs> uh it's like the carbon footprints better, like it's gonna be in Greta Thunberg it's gonna be oh, well. everyone yeah. into
2: <laughs> why aren't you buried in a tree? Well look, see, this is what COVID did it. Um, this is what
0: COVID <laughs> revealed. COVID revealed the vacuity and the um the uh the meaninglessness of all those supposed that supposed courage in the face of death because there's no possible way that the entire world could have been on a dime turned into lockdown if there hadn't been this underground Powerful fear of death that um, that has actually permeated uh, the people's psyche to a point where you know we are we we gave up everything yeah. on the on the possibility that we may die and it's like well who told you that you would never die first of all I mean <laughs> you know who who has taught you that lie and you know we Christians have been preparing for this since the moment we got baptized you know I mean that's that's the whole image it's the whole thing is that you are united with Christ in His death you know so when it comes. We hope it's not soon or painful, but if it is, then, you know, whatever, however it comes, it's coming for you. And that seemed to be a great shock for people. You know, I mean, there are people like Ray Kurzweil. There's some of these like transhumanists, like all they're doing is trying to figure out a way to download their brains into computers so that they can escape death. And then they look at us and they say, well, you know, you're just... um, superstitious and sort of, you know, playing these fairy tales about these the supposed specter of death that we all enlightened people have looked past. And it's like, well, you know, um, your billions of research into cryogenic freezing, uh, transhumanism, and also the fact that you are, um, you know, have self isolated and continue to quarantine by yourself on a remote you know, island in Alaska out of fear of covid seems to belie your confident assertion that you're not afraid of death, you know, not, and I'm your
1: not... willingness to participate in the natural cycle of life.
0: That's right. That's right. I'm no, I'm no cycle. I'm no expert here, but your <laughs> words and actions don't seem to be adding up together um, because, you know, I don't want to die a painful death, but I've got plenty of life insurance and my children and my wife will know where I'm going. So, you know, I'm not welcoming it, but I trust that when it comes, it will have been ordained. And it will be, uh, you know, it doesn't matter where they bury me because I'll be safe and I'll be free. You know, the old hymns like, well, there we go. That's, well, and that's we also
1: have in the word we are given to preach is that that's not the final answer for our <laughs> lives. It It's a natural part of this broken life, but it is not a natural part of our lives. We are in Christ victors over death. I and mean, I was just uh, saw on Instagram the other day, my friend Chad Hurd wrote At Lazarus's grave, Jesus did not say death is a natural, normal part of the cycle of life. No, he wept. Then he kicked death in the teeth. (laughs) (laughs) Then he said, Lazarus, come out. You know, like I'm, I am victor over this.
0: You know, saying that in Lazarus' death reminded me for some reason of the last scene of uh, Life of Brian, you know, always look on the bright side of life where they're singing there on the cross. And I was like, you know, whether they intended it to be or not, that's actually quite a profound gospel um, image right there is that we are these people. Who are uh, being crucified by the by sin, death, and the devil this side of uh, heaven for our just deserts? You know we are complicit in the sin of Adam. Nevertheless, are singing all the way to the grave. You know, I mean that's what it's it's it. it you know I'm the. Singing as well for sure. <laughs> I don't but think I do it was think, intentional. <laughs> I don't think it was, but it just helped. I just immediately thought of that because I I I um. You know, I feel for the people who have no hope of the resurrection, as Cramer writes, you know, to keep us ever mindful of the, the hope you've set before us in the resurrection of your son, Jesus Christ, that when they encounter this type of suffering, and they hear people like us talk about a good God and a loving God and a powerful, omnipotent God. There's no chance, but to, to rail at that, at that assertion, you know, to, to be offended by this. And I've seen this time and time again, you know, you don't, you believe in some God who could have done this, should have done that and, and would have done that. So you say, cause he's love and yet here we are at this funeral of my dad, you know, here we are at this funeral. And it's it those moments where I pray and realize that it's only by the the mercy of God through the Holy spirit, that people's eyes are open to this seemingly contradictory reality of us. We Christian people being alive, even though we are dying, you know, that we are, we are as the outward is wasting away inwardly. We're being renewed as Paul says, and that that is an affront to an unbelieving world and yet becomes the basis for our hope um, through the cross. And so I think that's where it's complicated to put it lightly, all of these things, but I agree with you, Matt at death. And what we've been given to do, this is our, this is our moment to, to where the, there's an opening, you know, it's like the, um, the moon of indoor the death star you know it's like the death star um uh, whatever that <laughs> whatever that thing i do clearly know my you know when they shoot the little thing into yeah, the yeah. thing and the death star that's that's the it, thing know. into
1: the thing yeah
0: <laughs> clearly i'm not as big of a nerd as both of uh-huh. you because you knew exactly what that one was <laughs> <laughs> you just you just didn't want to correct me because you could you could stay on your high lofty nerd perch over me but no <laughs> <laughs>
2: this is why it's so important for priests to be uh, close to people on their, as they're nearing death. I mean, I've had, I don't know about you guys, but in my career, I probably had, Oh, 15 maybe more opportunities to be at someone's bedside in the last conscious moment, conscious moments before going away, before dying, um, or at least going into uh, subconsciousness. And the, those moments, and uh, it's the grace of God, those moments, in my experience, are always, for hardened people, anyway, the most soft. And you have yeah. the. I mean, you, if you don't go in there, same kind of thing, I guess, with a funeral sermon, if you don't go in there with the aim of comforting the person who you know is probably not going to be comforted after he dies or she dies, if you go in there with the aim of speaking the truth in a loving, compassionate way, uh, you, you're gonna find someone who is for the maybe for the first time in his or her life who has ears who Amen. who wants who wants to hear what's gonna happen and wants to do anything he or she can to avoid the judgment that I think implicitly um he or she knows is is coming. And mm-hmm. and you you saying that out loud and then saying, but But, um, even now you can, you can turn and trust in Jesus and he'll receive you. Um, It's like
1: the fundamental story of my entire ministry. I was doing CPE actually with JD in the VA hospital in Pittsburgh. And I walked into a room and made the CPE mistake of asking somebody how they were doing. And (laughs) the guy
0: looked at me in the, the guy was in like, you know, like last stages of everything.
1: He said, well, son, I'm dying and i didn't so i just sort of mumbled something or other something like how do you how do you feel about that and he ultimately <laughs> said well i feel like i've lived a pretty good life i'm just not sure it was good enough and by a miracle and the grace of god i was given to be able to tell him you're right you haven't lived a life that's good enough but I know somebody who has lived a life good enough for you. And it was an amazing thing that I literally think about at least weekly, if not multiple times a week or daily, and has informed my entire ministry as a minister to, people who are living under that weight of I'm just not sure it's mm-hmm. been good enough. And that's exactly what you're saying. That moment may be the time where that question is most clear in their minds. That's right.
0: Yeah. It reminds me of that scene, which is exactly to your point, Nick, in Bo Geertz's Hammer of God. If you haven't read it, listener, you should pick it up, particularly if you're a minister. Have you read it, Matt? No. Um, oh, it's well, it's a series of vignettes that the Swedish Lutheran Bishop Bo Geertz wrote to instruct his clergy And some of them hit better than others, but the most the most prominent one that reminded me of this is of the young clergy that was right in the middle of the young clergyman that was right in the middle of um, seminary, you know, and he was called away from like a, a high society cocktail party to the middle of the woods, you know, over the hill to give last rites to one of these, his dying parishioners. And he's wrestling with all of the philosophical concepts of, you know, death and dying and what he was supposed to say. And he's has his prayer book and all this stuff. And he's confronted with just this man who's in the last stages of death, who just cries out for, you know, I'm scared. Like I, don't know what you know where I'm going I don't know what I'm doing and he was he was caught the the point of the whole vignette is that the seminarian had no idea what to do because he was prepared to sort of anoint him and kind of give him some platitudes and so finally the man's wife said starts yelling at him and says you know give him the gospel you know tell him tell him that Jesus died for sins tell him and so he was sort of shaken out of his complicity. and I think about that with respect to all that we've talked about in terms of sermons and liturgy at funerals because People are already shaken when they come to this funeral. They're already asking these questions, and if they have um, any doubts at all about ha- where their final hope is going to lie when they themselves are lying there, then it's our responsibility to address that, to uncover it, and to to not in a cruel way bring them low, but to get to, play, to the low place where they are, in the service of giving them the gospel of of letting the Holy spirit through what the foolishness of what we preach actually raise them to the new life of faith. And if, if, if you don't take that opportunity to funeral, then, you know, you probably should look for a different calling if you're a, if you're a minister, because um, you know, that is where uh, you have been given um, an entry into people's lives that you may never have again. And I think, um, you know, I think it's, it's a, it's a worthy and a high calling, but one that um, thankfully we, we have been prepared for, and I'm grateful for that.
1: Well, we pray for everybody who watched the Queen's funeral, who has attended a funeral, who maybe avoids those things like the plague, but there is no escaping death and there is no other good news other than the resurrection of Jesus Christ for sinners. Um, that is all the time that we have this week for the podcast. Thanks for listening. You can keep the conversation going. Calling with us by being in touch. You can rate and review the podcast on iTunes. Send us an email at mailbag at standfirminfaith.com or join the Anglicans for the Gospel Facebook group. Thank you to J.D. Koch and Matt Kennedy. I'm Nick Lannon, And Lord willing, we'll be back next week. Until then, by the grace of God and Jesus Christ, we'll be standing firm.